The Institute of Directors professional development programmes equip learners with the knowledge, skills and mindset to be enterprising and innovative, enabling organisations to become more productive and competitive. The IOD's programmes ensure directors develop an awareness of their interpersonal skills, legal and business knowledge, financial acumen, ethical questioning, decision-making abilities and the highest standards of professional conduct. The IOD is the only institute in the world to offer internationally recognised qualifications designed by directors for directors under Royal Charter. For more information on IOD training, visit iod.com today. Welcome to the Institute of Directors, Leaders and Business podcast. A podcast where you get to know the personalities behind businesses through one-to-one interviews. We speak with directors from all over the United Kingdom about their career and their businesses, sharing knowledge and insight into how their businesses survive and thrive. I'm your host, Marlene Lowe, founder of the Emerald Agency and chair for IOD Scotland branch Fife and Tayside. In today's episode, we're speaking with National Director for IOD Scotland, Catherine McWilliam. We hear about her journey into becoming National Director, her hopes and dreams for IOD Scotland going forward, and all of the big plans that she's got coming up. COVID and lockdown happened, the Institute of Directors was already going through quite a transformation, especially up here in Scotland. And during lockdown, we started this podcast, the Leaders in Business podcast, to concentrate on people's stories and to get that personal side to how they ran their businesses and where they got to where they were. Now, after lockdown, IOD Scotland has shown an even bigger change, one of them being a brand new national director, which is you, Catherine. (laughs) What I would really like to start off with is most people will already know who you are. You were part of the team before you became national director, but it would be great to introduce you on the podcast, have them hear your voice and a bit of a reminder of who you are and how you got to where you are. So would you give us a mini story about how you became national director um, and your greatest aspirations that you have coming into the role? I absolutely can do that. Um, And first of all, people will notice the Stranraer accent, which creeps into every conversation I have because everybody tries to guess (laughs) where I'm from. Um, This question I've been asked before and I have such a tendency to ramble. So Marlene, you have to cut me off if I'm talking absolute rubbish. Essentially, I I joined IOD Scotland in 2021 and I came in as 
where the title was senior branch manager, which wouldn't mean much to, to many people, but essentially my role was to manage the membership. So that was looking at the renewal of, of monthly renewals of our current and existing members, onboarding new members, getting out there and talking to people about membership and trying to raise awareness of the IOD in Scotland, who we were and what we were trying to do. And before joining the IOD, I worked for almost seven years with an organisation called Development Trust Association Scotland, a third sector organisation that supports community-led regeneration and community-led enterprise. So essentially, whilst I came into to the role with the IOD, having never run my own business, I supported over 300 community organisations to look at ways that they could generate sustainable income from their regeneration activity in quite defined geographical areas. I loved the role at DTAS. I loved feeling like I was making a difference and helping people. Um, I had a great team of people around me during that time as well. But essentially, I knew if I wanted to progress my career and look at my own development, I would have to move away from that quite specific, quite niche policy area um, and look to expand my network and broaden my horizons. And I had just quietly started putting feelers out and trying to explore what that might look like through the, the medium of LinkedIn. And I was approached by a recruiter who had a really interesting initial conversation with me to find out more about me, what motivates me, what makes me tick. And then I did your plumber. And then I randomly got a phone call from her to say, I think I've got a really good role that you might be interested in. And we talked about this, you know, the, the job description, what the role entailed. And I remember at the end of that conversation thinking, I don't even know who this organization is and I want that job. <laughs> So um, that, that feels very MI5 spy. Yeah, that was quite interesting. And part of, I won't lie, part of my brain did go there. You know, where, yeah. where, where is this? <laughs> However, I then, you know, I, I confirmed I was I was really keen and I wanted to to move ahead. So sent you know CV off and a bit further information about me. And she then got back in touch to say I had been selected for interview. And it was only at that point I learned it was the the IOD who I would be who I would be interviewing for. So. Furiously went away to do my research and my due diligence to find out more about the organisation, which I had heard of, but didn't really appreciate, you know, specifically what it is that, that, that we do. And instantly was more engaged when I realised that I would be coming to work with Louise McDonald, who was somebody that I had admired since 2012, um, wow. when I had worked for a PR and communications agency. And one of the clients I supported was a coalition of children's charities that supported PA, young people with additional support needs. And Louise was in post at Young Scott at the time. And, and whilst I didn't know her directly, I knew of her and the work that she was doing. So the opportunity to come and do a job that you know sounded like the dream job um, and ticked all of my boxes in terms of looking at progression and opportunities, working with Louise was just too good mm -hmm. to be true. So I walked into that interview and there was not one chance I was not getting that job. Um, <laughs> I was determined to, to win everybody over. And I'm really, really lucky that the, the panel, um, which consisted of, of Louise and Aidan and Nia from the IOD's HR team, I did manage to win them over. And, and that was that. Here I am. <laughs> now, what was your motivation when the opportunity came up from National Director? What what was that kind of push for you to go, I can do this, having kind of just come into the role and just joined the IOD? That 
took quite a bit of soul searching and I sat on it for a really long time (laughs) um, because I wasn't sure that I was ready. I was coming into an organization, you know, I was still learning about the organization that I'd been working for for six months and in an ideal world would have had another 18 months, two years working with the team set up that we had as IOD Scotland at the time. Um, But ultimately it was the I'm going to say gentle nudges of encouragement that came from people within my IOD network and beyond. Um, I'm very, very lucky. I've always been encouraged to to push myself by my parents and by my family. Um, I had very quickly developed quite good relationships with a number of the ambassadors and the members that I had been engaging with since I joined the IOD. But essentially, one of the, the biggest confidence boosts came from Trish, who works on the IOD team. And Trish said to me, I think I think you could do it. And she and I have been working quite closely together. So I decided that that was an endorsement. I could I could go for it. So I did. I submitted my application, I think, with half an hour to spare for the deadline. Wow. <laughs> and it, it, essentially, I, I was beating myself up because I... I, I I didn't think I had presented myself very well in the application and I was really cross. Um, But thankfully, I managed to do enough to at least get a conversation um, at the next stage. And at that point, I was able to really sell myself and think about, you know, what I saw as the opportunities for IOD Scotland. Now, what were your first 100 days like? What were some of the biggest challenges, but also the biggest highlights that you had in those first 100 days? Because I remember you sent out an email. You've really put some thought and effort into representing those first 100 days. Absolutely. I mean, the first 100 days were at times very, very surreal. I, you know, started in post with Boris Johnston, as Prime Minister. Then Liz Truss came in and very quickly Liz Truss left. And um, we have, I'm on my third Prime Minister. We also had the death of the Queen within the first three weeks of me taking up post. And there was the mini budget that took place at UK Parliament. You know, there, there was all sorts of of turbulence in the wider environment um, that, that certainly made it a bit of a baptism of fire. Coupled with my absolute determination that during that first 100 days, I wanted to get out to and speak to as many of our members as I possibly could. I was determined to be visible across all seven of our branches and really just listen to what was affecting members the most. And at that time, um, it it, it was and, and continues to an extent to be the the cost of doing business crisis. You know, we had this spiral in energy costs. We had the ongoing um, effect of Brexit and the impact that was having on kind of supply chain and cost of materials. We had that that geopolitical turbulence in the war with Ukraine, what was going on at UK government level. And even at that point, there w- there was uncertainty within the Scottish government. I think whilst the announcement of the First Minister's resignation in February came as a shock to many at how kind of quickly it had come forward, even as far back as last year, I can remember undercurrents of things happening. Yeah. So it, it was quite challenging to, to try and get up to speed with that as quickly as possible. Um, he highlights where 
the opportunity to get out and speak to members. Um, I mean, that that is the the why you do a job like this, you know, getting out there, speaking to those that, you know, are part of the network and finding out what, what they want to get out of being part of the network and how you can connect people up and, and just having that opportunity to really learn about different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find hugely, hugely beneficial. Um, you know, there, there are loads of highlights, actually, because some of the, the wider stakeholders I've managed to meet as well over the course of the piece has, has been really interesting. And um, I remember one of the very first things that came through was the invitation from the First Minister's office to host our 2021 Director of the Year Award winners, which to me just felt like such a... I suppose a, a seal of approval or a, or a mark of respect that, you know, that mm-hmm. one our awards were so highly regarded and two of the award winners were going to get that opportunity to have a one-to-one with the First Minister. So that felt quite special. And then going to the, the reception itself was also um, a highlight. How do you feel, because obviously the IOD is quite involved in trying to present business within the political sphere. How have you found that with all of the turbulent changes that are happening, not just in Scotland, but in the UK generally? At times it is quite difficult because the other thing we need to remember as the IOD, we are an individual membership organisation with cross-sector, cross-industry representation. Mm-hmm. And what is an absolute you know, no-brainer point for, for one member might cause another one to pause and reflect. So I think it's really important that we assess what it is that, you know, is going to make, what what we can be doing as the IOD that's going to make the biggest difference for our members, where we can add the most value. And we have used heavily the results from the inaugural State of the Nation survey in 2022, where, um, you know, skills came through as the number one issue for members. And actually, that's another highlight I'd like to add, the policy <laughs> forum. Um, that was quite a big piece of work that we pulled together and it, it felt like a really, really worthwhile, useful event to hold. Um, so essentially that, you know, I, I'm... I, as long as I can kind of look at the data and what members have said, I feel quite comfortable going in. And I don't like to use the word represent because I, I just it's, it's never sat right with me. But I really like the phrase, you know, the, the amplification of voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's very much what I see my role as, is to, to really amplify the voice of the membership in those spaces um, with Scottish government, local government and to an extent UK government. Now, I want to tackle a bit of a elephant in the room. Um, that as as we, how do I phrase this? Whenever I've mentioned being involved with the IOD, I inevitably get one question, and it always grates on me. But it's probably one that's quite important to answer. Um, and it's always, how do you cope with telling people older than you what to do? And it always gets to me because I don't feel that's what the IOD stands for in the first place. (laughs) It's a very peer supportive network. But seeing as you're young, female, um, how have you found this transition and the assumptions that are made of the IOD and therefore your position in it? It, It's really interesting because I've never actually been asked a quick that particular question outright. I've been asked how I... 
how confident I feel in handling myself in certain situations. Um, and I would always answer there, you know, for me, it's about finding common ground with somebody. I, I would absolutely, you know, never dictate or tell anybody what to do. But for me, one of the, the, the biggest skills I think I have is building relationships and rapport with people. So I would always look to try where possible and, and do that as quickly as I could so that we could then establish that common ground and look how we can, you know, collaboratively work together. It's it's really interesting. I mean, the the thing I've come up against more is um I'm out and about talking to people and I'm, you know, talking about the IOD and how wonderful we are and what we what we offer. And people sometimes look at me and go, is it not just an exclusive boys club that you have to, <laughs> you know, be a white man to be part of and wear a pinstripe suit? <clears throat> and I one of the the again parts of the job I really enjoy is absolutely myth busting that one um, <laughs> because and, and I think you know that that has been the historic perception of the organization and I'm also very careful you know because I I don't want white men of a certain age in their pinstripes it's to think that the IOD is not the place for them because actually the IOD an organization for for leaders you know it's it's like you you highlighted it's a space to come together to learn and net, learn from network and connect with your peers and mm-hmm. i think we are in a really unique position in that we have this fantastic cross-sector network of individuals who have so much insight and experience that they can share with younger aspiring directors and entrepreneurs as they enter into and do business and likewise this younger cohort of members that we are you know championing to bring into membership have so much that they can offer in terms of new skills and expertise to those who are maybe you know further advanced in their careers so for me there's a real opportunity to match people up and look at how we can really support businesses across the public, private and third sector to really thrive in Scotland. It's interesting you say that because we were all in the same room um, the other week and this conversation came up about the male demographic, perception of the male demographic to to what it was. And, and actually in the room, we were majority females. But what really got to me was talking to these females, a lot of them actually said they had joined in their mid to late 20s. And I sat there going, oh, I wish I had done that, only to remember I did. Um, But it was that kind of what when you really sat back and looked at what is the membership, like what does it actually look like when do people join? And it really got me quite emotional, actually, sitting there realizing that we're in this room where, where women joined in their late 20s in a time where that wasn't uh, as open an option as it is now. And I felt very um, privileged to be in that room of people that really saw this organization as a place to be because of the learning, because of the skills that they could develop. And it really opened my eyes in real time to see that this really isn't, like you said, a, a club for a specific demographic. It's really about leadership. It's about building up directors. It's about providing that safe space for people to learn from their peers. And there really isn't a hierarchy within the organization. 
Catherine nodding emphatically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree, completely agree. And, you know, one of the things I say to anybody who's looking at joining or considering not renewing their membership because they haven't really used it, it it's that very definitely. The more you engage and the more you talk to us, the more benefit you are going to bring or, or get from your from your membership. And, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, if we drill down into the stats, <clears throat> We have such a, a large number of members who have been members for 10, 15 years because mm-hmm. they've joined at a certain part of their career, but be that, you know, to do a specific course or some professional development, if they're looking to expand their network and their contacts, or, you know, they're, they're, they're looking to, to be able to influence policy. People have very different motivations for joining. And I think because of the way that we are in Scotland and the way that we have our geographic branch set up, we are so well positioned to really get to know the members in each of our branches and find out exactly what it is that made them want to join and what they're looking for and what it is that makes them renew every year. And for me, there's a real story that we can start to tell to build up the the picture of the uniqueness of our members, but also what you know brings them all together and unites them at the same time. Um, it, it genuinely is the best bit of the job is having those conversations with potential members, current members, members who have left and are considering coming back. Mm. It, it, it just it 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 honestly is it it motivates me to keep going. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about like reasons for membership and 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 how they, I I think there might be a mis um a perception that this is for directors of bigger businesses or larger organizations, not for the one man bands, but it really is. And there's so much within the IOD that you get the services that are provided that help the large organizations as well as the one man bands. Um, like if I just think of something that I use regularly, it's the information services that takes researching out of my hands. I fired the, I spend two minutes firing off a question and I get half an hour's worth of information back that's half an hour that I could spend on other things to help grow the business um so it's really amazing how you can have something like that and then legal help and then as you said our our, um certifications for a directorship to become accredited director really kind of encompasses the full spectrum of what it means to be a successful director and to help grow your business yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I, I think the information and business advisory service is one of those things. It's it's the absolute jewel in our crown mm-hmm. in that it, it offers money can't buy advice and support to members. And that's irrespective of whether you are a self-employed consultant, you've, you're running an SME with 20 employees or you're part of a larger corporation, you as an individual member can access that service and essentially get anything that you need. Um, it, it is absolutely fantastic and the quality of the advisors that we have are are incredible. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I remember when I first joined the IOD and the, 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 the value will have changed given inflation and everything else that's been going on, but I remember reading the the average interaction with the IAS from start to finish would have a marketplace value of around about £2,800. Wow. You, you, you think if you're using that that service, which you get to more than once throughout your year of membership, you're getting value immediately. Yeah. It's, it's, it's saving thousands of pounds for members in some instances. Now, the other big thing that I wanted to cover with you is charter directorship. Um, 
what what does that mean? So essentially, if you're a chartered director, it, 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 it's well, it's an MBA equivalent qualification, first of all, <clears throat> that demonstrates that you have best practice when it comes to being a director. Um, the, the chartered director qualification is split across three levels. You start at certificate level, um, moving into diploma, and then eventually the chartered director interview. And the entire qualification is based on the IOD's competency framework that we have developed ourselves. And it, it assesses you as an individual director leader as to where you are in terms of your development and and what you what you're good at what you have experience in it and and what you need to work on work on and one of the things i think that excites me about the professional you know, charter director qualification is that when you enter into and start to go through the process you automatically engage and connect with the cohort of individuals who are going through it at the same time as you. And this is a, a qualification that we deliver, not just in the UK, but at a kind of global level. We have all sorts of candidates who go through because of the reputation of the qualification. So I remember going to the the um, ex, the ALC, which is the Accelerated Learning Certificate that we were delivering in Scotland last October. And there were 15 delegates there from Airdrie to Massachusetts to Ottawa to Singapore. And wow. these were individuals who, again, were from so many different sectors and, and industry and parts of the parts of the world who would never, ever have met mm. other, other than being in that room at the same time. And the connection that then these individuals develop over the course of what is quite an intensive five days mm. um, is really quite something. And and. On the back of that, I was talking to somebody who went through their certificate a considerable number of years ago, and they were telling me that they are still in a WhatsApp group with the people who went through that that qualification wow. with them, and they periodically will, you know, check in with each other. Has anybody heard about X? You know, has anybody got any advice on Y? Um, and I think that is just absolute dynamite. That's real added value right there. You've got the qualification and the ex expertise, but you've got this expanded network of people that mm -hmm. you can go to. And, you know, we often talk about leadership being incredibly lonely. And I think mm -hmm. that's really come to the fore over the past few months, you know, because of this perpetual cycle of crisis that we find ourselves <laughs> in. You know, where do leaders go? to get to ask for support and ask ask you know the questions that they don't know the answers to that they are then being asked and i think those informal networks like that are absolutely the space you go to they're, they're a safe space mm. and for me that is you know you've got the value of the qualification that comes with going down the charter director route but the added value and the bits that come with it money can't buy Definitely, definitely. I, mean, I just think of the career changes I've made over the years, more the, the most recent one being the most significant. And I hands down can put it down to the network and the IOD kind of bolstering me. And, and we were talking about this trusting someone else's opinion of you if you can't trust it yourself or you can't trust in yourself first. And for me, it really was the support that I had from members in the IOD that helped me take that plunge and take that leap. And I can't think of another business community that has given that kind of support. And it's it's um 
it's unapologetic supported it's unwavering support it's it's like having someone see right through you and see exactly who you are um because everyone's been in those hard positions everyone's had to make the hard decisions or had the really good successes and and being able to sit in that room with a bunch of people that that know what you're going through is invaluable you're absolutely right and I actually was having a conversation with a member the other day about the the overuse of the word networking Mm. you know it networking to many is is selling to each other and it's very surface level and it doesn't quite get into the nitty-gritty of of what it actually is to to connect with somebody. And I think that that's what we do within our network um, mm-hmm. is, is we provide that deeper, that connection. You know, there, there is that opportunity to reach out to your peers and ask questions in a very safe, non-judgmental environment. And I think that's what does make us quite unique to other membership organisations. I think as well for me, coming into this role, I am struck on a daily basis at how generous our members are with their time and their insight. And that's to yeah. me, to other members, you know, there's there's such a willingness to share and support. And I think there's a real job for us to do as 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 the IOD, I, I, IOD Scotland executive team, IOD ambassador network, to really champion that and mm-hmm. and and look at how we can leverage that to, to really add value for members. Definitely. So what what are your big plans for the IOD? What, what do you want to see in five years time, ten years time? What is that big picture that you're you've got in your head to target as a goal towards? So the big picture vision for me is that the IOD in Scotland has a really diverse and dynamic membership, which is reflective of the landscape of leaders that exist in Scotland. You know, I I, I want to challenge that perception that we are a pale and male organisation. I want to champion the, the members that we are bringing forward and look at, you know, how we can be the the number one go-to membership organization for for leaders in Scotland. That that's the the vision. And to get there, there are so many different paths and ways <laughs> and things that we need to do. But I think, <clears throat> excuse me, ultimately we need to look at how we champion leadership and we raise awareness of the importance of succession planning and investing in your teams and looking at how we can essentially champion purposeful leadership and good governance right through organisations. And for me, that comes back down to, you know, the culture of an organisation. You know, we need to look at how we can support our members to really explore how they attract and retain that talent, because we know that young people entering into the labour market these days, it's not so much about you know, what can I do for you and trying to stand out, although, you know, young people are incredibly motivated and driven. It's it's more about, you know, what are you offering me? Why should I come and work for your organisation? And, and that's very much looking at things like um, salary, but as well as, you know, the the, the conditions and, and the who the organisation even is, you know, what is the purpose of that business? Does it align with that individual's principles? Is there flexible working? What are the additional benefits that are there for, for staff? And I think that that's, you know, culturally, there's, there's, there's lots that needs to be done. And I think, you know, leadership helps 
set culture and we need to look at mm-hmm. how we can support you know leaders to embed sustainability and you know diversity and inclusion principles in in the dna of organizations it's not just ticking boxes to say oh yeah we've looked at that we've explored that it's about well actually what does that mean mm-hmm. and how do we make sure that that's what our organization stands for and how that then relates to the the wider environment and the contribution that that makes to the economy I don't know, that's a very kind of up there answer, but um, that's the the (laughs) vision. It's a very good aspiration to have and one that I personally know that you're getting all of us behind and really creating that groundswell of of wanting to push that forward. I I think my biggest thing is I want to change the world and I need to realise I'm not (laughs) going to manage to to do that in, 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 you know, 12 months and I'm I was having a conversation last night with another ambassador and I think I am my own harshest critic and one of the things is I think I expect a lot from myself and I think I need to kind of just recognise that that sustainable change takes time and actually what's what's most important right now is is laying those foundations and having those those conversations to create the spaces for our members to have the conversations themselves. Now sometimes they might not be particularly comfortable conversations, but they need to happen in order to shift the dial. And that for me is where we need to really be coming in and adding value as IOD Scotland. Definitely. Now, the very last thing to give a big shout out to is our Director of the Year Awards. We mentioned it earlier in the chat, but we cannot be this close to the summer uh, without mentioning it. So would you like to give us a few words about our upcoming awards? Oh, delighted to. We are just on the cusp of being op- a- able to open for bookings. Um, we have we have closed to applications and the judging process is taking place right now, um, which is very exciting. But the, the awards dinner and ceremony will take place on Thursday, the 8th of June at the Edinburgh International Conference Centre, or EICC, as it's known to many. And that's exciting for so many different reasons. The first is it's the first time we have delivered the in-person awards since 2019. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time we've brought them to Edinburgh. We, we have been in Glasgow for a number of years pre-COVID. And the plan going forward is to try to, to alternate, to, to create that opportunity um, to, to, to get you know, a chance to both G geographic regions. Um, I'd love eventually to go Scotland-wide and all over the place, <laughs> but um, it, the, the problem we have is, is the numbers um, yeah. and looking at, you know, where, where can accommodate us, but that's a nice problem to have. But, but essentially, Thursday the 8th of June, EICC, tickets will be available very soon and we will be shouting from the rooftops when they are. Um, it's going to be a celebration, a celebration to recognise that it's been a tough few years, but here we are all together in one place to celebrate best practice when it comes to directorship and leadership and to look around and be grateful is not the right word, but to, to, to celebrate. I'm going to overuse that word, I think, to celebrate <laughs> we are all still here and that we can, you know, just get together and and party really that's 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 what i want one excellent way to end the first podcast episode of our new season 
<laughs> now we'll be coming back with um lots of episodes we're wanting to talk to um leaders throughout scotland throughout the world if we can um to kind of showcase how they got to where they are but tell me about some of the things that you would like to hear on the podcast Oh my goodness, where to start? I mean, for me, the podcast presents such a wonderful opportunity to showcase some of these fantastic members that I've been talking about already. I want to tell people more about the benefits of being a charter director from both the individual going through the qualification, but maybe the organisations who benefit from the insights. I want to explore how we highlight and showcase some of Scotland's fantastic leaders from different industries and different sectors. I want to inspire future directors. I want to, to create an opportunity to reach beyond the usual suspects. I'm very conscious that often when we are talking about the IOD, we're talking to those who are already engaged and already kind of are aware of us and know who we are. For me, the challenge is how we get beyond that echo chamber and we talk to new people and we engage new people around the benefits of, of, the, the, of the IOD and what we have to offer. And I see this podcast as a really fantastic way of doing that. So everyone listening, make sure you've hit the subscribe button. You're following us on Twitter or or um, Instagram, Facebook, all of the things, LinkedIn. <laughs> but the podcast specifically can be listened to on Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, it will be available. So make sure to subscribe and share with everyone that you know. 